If you missed Premier Ford's response from last hour, as you heard it right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, here's what he had to say about the province ramping up random testing. We're going into the seniors' homes, uh, testing the seniors. We're testing all the staff there. We're going back into long-term care. We're checking with the staffs and, and the residents as, as well. There's one thing to test once, but we, we have to continue testing. We're going into uh, the frontline healthcare workers, and we're going to test the asymptomatic and symptomatic uh, people there. So it's just ongoing testing. We're, we're, I said we're going to ramp it up. We're going to ramp it up. Then we're going to go into communities where there's, as I say, the hot spots and and it's really the urban centers around around Toronto that we've seen. Okay, that was the premier last hour. Let's welcome in now employment lawyer Garel Clare, partner at Zanfiro Tamarkin, joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Garel, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, first off, I want to get your take on what the premier had to say there in the implementation of random testing in workplaces. We all want to do what's right. We all want to be safe, ensure the safety not only of ourselves, but others, of course. But does random testing, should that raise any red flags for employees, do you think? Well, if it's mandatory testing, you know, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to see how many people will actually volunteer. I'm going to assume a lot of employees will want to stay safe and also find out whether or not they have the virus or they would submit. But there will be a good portion that will not. So in that case, you're going to be balancing the interests, the safety interests of the employer with the privacy interests of the employee. Uh, you know, if I were to draw into a parallel to this, it'd be something uh, along the lines of a drug test at the workplace. Uh, you know, and there has been case law on that uh, where, you know, employees have been required to do drug tests and or have refused to do undergo such testing and uh, has been limited to situations where uh, a major accident has ha- occurred and the employee in the suspicion, a reasonable uh, suspicion that the employee was impaired, uh, in which case a, a drug test would be considered reasonable. In this case, you know, we, we have a pandemic, a health crisis. So it, you already meet the, uh, the, the urgent uh, the requirement as well as the, uh, I guess, the major accident being the pandemic. But, uh, you know, you also have to question whether or not the, the effectiveness of this. The drug test, you know, would, would uh, give you the uh, information for a, a point in time when the test is done. But the situation fluid. So what may exist one day won't be the same the next day. So is the policy going to be to have these employees submit to tests on a continual basis, in which case you're kind of getting into a, a situation where it's overly invasive. So, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting uh, how this would uh, pan out. Yeah, and obviously this is tough and very sensitive because we're dealing with some uh, sensitive information here when it comes to employees, uh, their health and their health information, whether or not employers have got the right to to track that and what happens with that information once they have it. Right, right. So that goes along the lines of the privacy concerns that the employees would have. And is this something uh, that uh, you think uh, random drug testing, as you referenced just a moment ago, is this something that could be a guide for us when it comes to perhaps random testing uh, for COVID? Well, if it's a guide, I mean, uh, I'm sure we can look to the case law on that and uh, just uh, use that as a as a starting point. But it's a completely different situation. We're dealing with a uh, fast spreading virus, so you know we shouldn't have to wait around for a major accident, i.e., a spread around a particular workplace. 
But at the same time, you know, we have to look at the practical implications of this. How often will these employees be required to submit to these drug tests? What's going to be done with the information? Uh, when will the employees be notified, et cetera? So there'd be a lot of work to be done on this uh, before prior to implementing. Joined by employment lawyer Garel Clare. Wanted to also talk to you this afternoon about uh, WestJet because they're making some employment news. They are attempting... Uh, to somewhat circumvent the Canadian Labor Code as they look to lay off employees without requiring the 16 weeks of notice or pay in lieu. They have sent a letter to the federal labor minister uh, explaining what they're calling unprecedented circumstances. What do you make of this? Well, the legislation itself uh, was designed to protect uh, employees, uh, so also to prevent a flood of employees entering the marketplace all at once and becoming unemployed. Now, you know, obviously, when the, uh, the this all, you know, the basis of this is uh, uh, f- due to financial strains that obviously uh, WestJet is facing right now. But usually, when an, uh, an employer has to terminate 50 more employees, it is due to financial strains. So the legislators, when they drafted this uh, uh, this legislation, obviously contemplated that. And nonetheless, still required a 16-week notice. What I'm getting at here is, you know, it's a slippery slope. If uh, WestJet gets an exemption, how many other companies will get an exemption? And uh, will it be limited only uh, in a situation of a pandemic, or can this continue on? So we have to be very careful uh, not to open up Pandora's box uh, to a point where the the 16-week notice will just be uh, completely undermined, and the as well as the purpose of it. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that this pandemic is a quote-unquote unprecedented circumstance, but having said that, does it come down to uh, whether or not that is enough to circumvent or override what are employees' rights? Right, that's what uh, that would be the uh, the interest that the government would have to balance here. Uh, the the unprecedented situation and the impact it's having on employers versus the protection that employees require. Do you think, uh, Garel, that uh, the availability of the CERB, that uh, that's out there and is a bit of a uh, softer landing for employees that have been uh, displaced, will that factor into this at all, do you think? I think it should. I mean, uh, perhaps it could be uh, something along the lines of 16-week notice as well as uh, implementation of the CERB in between there, uh, a required top-up by the company or perhaps a timeline as to uh, you know, for the company to pay the employees the requisite 16-week uh, uh, income or pay that they're required to do. But uh, just to give them a, uh, a blanket exemption, is, uh, it's, very, you know, it's a dangerous ground. All right. Well, we'll watch this uh, with interest. Garel, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Have a safe and healthy weekend. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. There goes employment lawyer Garel Clare with his partner Ed Zamfiro Tamarkin.